Good morning, all Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. For this episode, we're about to do communal updates. I have to admit, when I first started the podcast, I was obviously getting much, much more traffic on my YouTube channels, and I assumed that most people that would come over to listen to the podcast were also watching my YouTube channel. So therefore, I didn't want to double dip too much with topics because I figured people would go over, watch a video on, say, my communal updates, and then come over to the podcast and go, oh, joy, uh, an update on the communals, which would be a bit boring. So I've shied away from that. However, what's uh, come up in the last couple months and has been made rather clear to me is the fact that it's the podcast itself is actually developing its own audience. And I'm having people now show up to my YouTube channel and comment that, hey, I've actually never seen your YouTube channel before. I found you your YouTube channel through the podcast and before it was like vice versa. They'd usually find me from the website and hop over to the podcast or YouTube the podcast. So again, trying to wrap my mind around, I've got the website, which I've got, a, it seems to be my catchphrase now. I've got a ton of updates to do. I've got Christmas break coming up. I teach and I'm going to have you know close to two weeks off. So I'm going to get some updates up on the site because I've been rather lackadaisical with what I've been putting up there. And I have the YouTube channel, and now I have this, and it's been a, a learning process for me to try to figure out what works best in each format. Uh, I like the videos because I can present something visual for people who don't just want to hear my voice. However, since starting the podcast, I've realized this is a culture unto itself, and that people that do podcasts, this is how they devour their information. They're for, you know, bring out a teaching term, auditory learners. They hear the stuff. They like hearing it. They don't need necessarily the visuals or to read an article on it, or the, in many cases, people are driving the work or they're doing this in their spare time or it's background noise, whatever it may be. And that's a really cool thing. It's something that I've kind of had to figure out as we've done these. So with that said, it opens up a lot more topics for me. I have been shying away from doing the single species care uh, podcast. I know some people have requested I've done one and I'm not so much worried about, I can see the ratings on each video. I can see, you know, which things seem to attract more listeners, which things seem to kind of, you know, pick up the, it seems like they're just the main core group of people. There's certain topics that when I pull out, we get a bunch more listeners on. I'm not really concerned about this. Again, it's all about, you know, information. I think with the podcast, it's a little more fun and laid back. And I like that. It's more like a conversation as opposed to a lesson per se. But I am going to break out more of the single species ones, but I'm going to try to do it in a way that maybe I do some question and answers with them as well. So I, the only thing I worry about that is some people will turn on the episode and go, all right, I already have the species. I know how to keep it. And then you kind of got a wasted 30 minutes unless you just want to listen to me talk about the same stuff you're probably doing. So again, anybody that ever has any ideas, please feel free to email or leave a message on the Facebook page or actually probably post a comment on the Facebook page. And let me know because I'm always looking for ideas for these. A lot of times I come up with ideas like the spur of the moment. I'm going through comments and stuff like, oh, this would make a good topic. And I kind of like that because it's fresh and I'm kind of digesting it in my mind as I go. I like that format. But please feel free to let me know what you guys would like to do and like to see because moving ahead, I probably will be taking a little break. We'll see, possibly in February or so, just to bank some more up and then we'll be coming back at it. And then hopefully we'll be able to get some interviews in here. I've been trying to get some interviews and a couple of them have fallen through, but uh, that is still a goal of mine. But again, we're still fresh in the first year of this podcast, so I'm still learning and still growing. So to kick this one off, we'll start with probably my most well-known communal setup, which would be my Monocentropus Balfrey or Balfoury setup. These guys continue to delight me. I can't believe they just used the word delight. That's corny even for me. But it's still something that I 
haven't lost interest in it hasn't worn off that i have a whole tank full of spiders my brother stopped by for thanksgiving recently obviously and we came into the room and i was showing him all the different spiders and everything and he was just floored by the fact that a the couple of the balfouri were out and they're just stunning spiders and then was floored that there was more than one of them in that tank like he couldn't wrap his mind around it and it's kind of cool sometimes to experience your collection through somebody else because I think sometimes we keep these guys and some of the, the novelty wears off and we forget what amazing creatures they are. And sometimes having somebody come in and just tour your room or look at your spiders, it just brings up your own enthusiasm for it. Not that I've ever gotten to a point where I'm like, oh, these things bore me, but it just kind of rekindles some of that you know, awe that you feel. So it was kind of cool having him in there, you know, showing him the different species. He was just watching the tank, watching when the male came out, made a sperm web, but there have been a couple new developments in that tank and some things that we'll be keeping an eye on. Now, to start off, if anybody's followed this communal, they know that uh, I had a male mature out right after about the year mark. It was rather early on. He was kind of a smaller male. And last winter, he disappeared, and we hadn't seen him since. And I had referred to him as probably being dead. I didn't think the other ones ate him. I thought he probably died inside the tunnel somewhere. And, you know, I couldn't smell anything, but who knows what happened to him, but he wasn't there. Well, the other morning I came out and lo and behold, there was the original old male looking rather drab. He's, you know, again, he had his final molt, so he won't molt again, but he had those really washed out colors. Still alive, still kicking, and still looking in pretty good shape. And as a matter of fact, I've caught him a couple times trying to approach some of the ladies in the tank. So I was shocked by this one. I've literally referred to him as dead several times, just assuming because I hadn't seen him, but he is alive and quite well. So at the moment, I currently have a bunch of video clips I'm uh, downloading from my phone to post up an update on Balfour, the M. Balfour Communal, and I have a couple shots of him and one with him and the other male that matured almost a year later, which I found very, very interesting. So something really, you know, that was a cool development for me because... I started off with nine of these guys, and again, I realized that the males weren't going to always be there. So it was a little bit sad when one of them left, and it just would have been, you know, its natural lifespan playing its course, but it still was kind of stunk that we're down to eight, but now we know there are most likely nine in there. Now, again, I haven't counted all nine out and about in quite some time. I've caught, I think the most we've caught so far is seven, but experience has taught me in the past that you often have, you, you can never tell which ones you're seeing at any given moment. So we had an episode way back where we thought we had lost one because we only saw eight slings. This was a running joke in my house. Billy would call me in. I think I got all nine. We'd count them out. There'd only be eight. And so for quite some time, we referred to the fact that we weren't sure if all nine were still in there. But then finally, we got a shot with all nine of them in. When I did the rehousing, obviously all nine of them were there. So I found at least that with mine, you're never, it's, it's going to be a rare occasion if you catch them all out and about. And I've talked to many people. It's, it's great because a lot of people are keeping these things now, keeping the Mbalfouris in the communal environments. And in most cases, there are no issues. And even when they think they've lost one, one is there. Now, I've heard of a couple people that went to dig it up and they lost one. And again, I don't, we don't know, unfortunately, what goes on in those tunnels. So in most cases, it seems to me the most logical thing would be one died, but you never know with the, you know, the shadow of cannibalism just there at all times. You never know what happens, but they seem to get along quite well. And if you're keeping them and you're not seeing them all out at once, this seems normal. So that was a huge development. The fact that the both males were still alive, but that older male is still alive. And we've caught both of them out and about quite a bit. And it's odd because it's an interesting bit of behavior that he disappeared literally 
for an entire year. It was just about a year that I hadn't seen him and then suddenly reappeared. Now, he probably came out in the morning hours or whatnot, but you'd think I would have caught him out at some point before that. And another odd thing for this time of the year is I've often remarked that around wintertime, it seems like they can detect that the air gets a little drier, gets a little colder outside, even though the temps in my room are fairly, you know, standard throughout the year or consistent. And they usually disappear this time of year, but I've been seeing a lot more activity since it got colder, which is another odd thing. So again, when I keep tarantulas, and one of the things I do through Tom's Big Spiders is a lot of it is just observation, and then I go and read online and try to see if anybody else has seen the same thing, because we ha- we do have an issue in a hobby where if one person sees something, you trust your own eyesight, you go, oh, this must be the rule, this must be it, my tarantula doesn't burrow, so I guess they don't burrow, or my tarantula seems to like it moist, so I guess they all like it moist, and that's not always the case, sometimes we have to reach out and see what other tea keepers are doing and what they're observing, because ours could be the anomaly, ours could be something different ours could point to a type of behavior that we haven't observed before it could be something that we spend more time looking at so i have spoken to a lot of people who have told me that theirs in the winter time tend to disappear a bit and this has been pretty much it for my the first three that i raised by themselves would disappear in the winter time i would rarely see them they wouldn't eat particularly well these guys has been pretty much the same thing we're going on i believe it'll be three years in june yeah, three years in June, and we've been saying, seeing pretty much the same thing wintertime they disappear, except for this winter. They're all out and about. I came in there this morning. There were four of them out. Now, again, I fed them last night, but even so, I, I would feed them. They would kind of come out after dark, grab the food, and go right back in their tunnels. So interesting behavior and stuff that, you know, again, for me, it's all about looking at, you know, observing the behavior, recording the behavior, and seeing if there's any pattern to it. I try to figure out why things might happen, but again, I'm not a scientist. I'm not an arachnologist. The things I come up with are based on my observations, looking at see what other people say, and then I try to you know apply some logic to it and figure out why this might be happening. So I'm not sure. I'm not, we're getting some interesting behavior this year. And moving on with the M. Balfouri, another thing we've caught is the male making the sperm web. So this does indicate the boys are locked and loaded, and I will say the females have, uh, at least three of the females have molted and put on quite a bit of size, and they are probably breeding age. So this whole experiment could get a lot more interesting in the coming months because there is a chance that there is breeding going on in the tank. Now, I've had a lot of people ask what I'm going to do when this happens, and I think my short answer would be cry. No, it's totally a joke. Um, although I have said to Billy that it's, it could potentially be a, a nightmare logistically as far as, you know, we'd probably need a new enclosure, we'd have to get the slings out at some point. But I do think one of the big things I've wanted to see is the female Balfouri nurture the babies. That's something I've seen video of. I know that the mothers are fantastic mothers. And I want to see this for myself. You know, they're, I, I get to see them every morning when I go in and get ready for school. In the afternoon, I'm in there. The weekends, I spend a lot of time in there. I'm always observing, and I really want to see that mothering behavior. I am kind of curious to see what happens if we have more than one mother, and I am a little worried about what happens if there's more than one mother. Will the mothers fight? I, I don't think so, and I've heard evidence that they will kind of keep their own little dens, but I'm not sure. And then what do we do when we end up with, you know, if say even five of them get bred and say they have 50 babies each? That's a lot of spiders in one enclosure. So eventually we're going to have to upgrade either the size of the enclosure or redo the whole thing, pull the babies out and restock it. It's going to be a bit of a nightmare. However, I think it'll be worth it for some of the footage we'll get. So obviously I'll be keeping people updated on whether or not they're breeding. I do have, again, I'm going to be posting that video hopefully tomorrow, maybe this afternoon. We'll see how it goes. And it does show one a male approaching a female, but 
they have a wonderful way of courting where normally when you breed the spiders, the male comes up, he does his little tapping thing, they intertwine, they do the insertion and they're done. The males seem to approach the females and they kind of do the tapping thing and they, but then the female will just kind of wander off the male and be like, oh, okay, never mind, I'll go find somebody else. It's the weirdest thing. So there's not really, it's, they don't seem to have that annoying insistence to get the job done. They just kind of go up, give it a shot. The female's not interested, they walk away, which is probably why they're all still alive in that tank and not dead from a bunch of agitated females that are sick of them trying to, you know, impregnate them. So, so far, it's we got some great footage coming up. Hopefully, it'll make for a good video. They are still doing great. As far as I know, there's no way to actually prove this. So if somebody says, well, how do you know for a fact? I don't know for a fact. I'm just going to say I, I have no indication to believe otherwise. All nine are still in the tank. They are pretty much adults now. The males, obviously, we have two mature males, as um, my dog snorts in the background. That's how we roll here. Two mature males bunch of mature females. It'll be probably seven mature females, although a couple of them are still a little small size. And we'll have to see where it goes. This could be very interesting if we get the babies, and this would be a new chapter, obviously, in the M. Balfouri communal. And again, hearing how many people are now setting these up and doing so confidently, it makes me feel really good about starting this experiment a while back because, again, I'm not the first person to do it, but I did try to catalog it in a way that people could know exactly what to expect for the most part. So there we go. That's the update for the M. Balfouri. Now on to the HNC or NNC. I always say HNC. When I first got them, they were HNC. Um, Neo-Holothelli NC. Um, uh, this is going to be a quick one. I think I already alluded to this before, but I've had some people that apparently missed it. I ended up breaking these ones up. We had originally five in the enclosure, and what happened was one of them just wasn't eating. The other ones were eating like champs. The other one, I dropped little food items in. I, I pre-killed. He or she would not eat at all and eventually died, so I pulled that one out. And then the other four were doing great. They were growing well, and then one day I went in to feed them, and I watched two of them in a death struggle. They were trying to kill each other. Well, one was basically trying to kill the other one. The other one was trying to fight it off, and that was it. That was We're done with that experiment. Um, so I separated them all, and now we have the four of them separated. Now, here's the deal with the NNC. This is an odd one because this is one of the few species of tarantulas that I believe have been observed in the wild living communally. People have had great success with it. But what it seems like to me is that we don't know the rules yet for it. I have people that tell me you got to keep them close together so they don't establish territories. I've had other people that say, nope, the, you've got to keep them separately and they can establish territories and they'll just kind of interact appropriately. And literally it's like split 50, 50 with people on both sides. There's no, obviously that isn't the secret to it. Um, the people that seem to have the best success are the ones that keep a mother with her sack or with the egg sack, let it hatch and keep the babies in with the mother. And they establish kind of a, a piece between all the slings and they develop that community that you want to see when you put a communal spider, you know, set up together. And that seems to be the best way to do it. However, it seems like that casualties are to be expected. Even in some of the successful ones, there are casualties. And I do have to wonder that this is a species that is meant to be kept communally or is lives communally in the wild, that if that isn't part of natural selection, you have a bunch of spiderlings, they're going to enjoy extra safety living with mom, not venturing out as much. So if they're not going to be exposed to many predators, what's going to thin down the herd? What's going to take away the, you know, the smaller, weaker ones? And I got a funny feeling it's the sack mate. So, I mean, if you think about it, you have 100 babies, say, and you have a bunch of them that are more fit than the other ones, and there's foods in short supply, perhaps, then they feed on the smaller ones, which makes the bigger ones bigger and stronger still, and makes them more fit to live. So I wonder if 
people that seem to keep them successfully, they're not able to count how many slings there are. So what they do report is that the majority are alive and well when they get to adulthood, or it seems like the majority are alive and well, but I got a funny feeling there's a lot of cannibalism in there in the interim. They won't completely cannibalize themselves to the point where there are no slings left, or you get one fat sling. That doesn't sound to be normal, but it does sound like even starting with an egg sack from the mother and leaving it with the mom, a lot of them are getting munched in the process. So that's, again, this is just my thoughts on it. I've talked to a couple other people and we're kind of leaning toward it, it would make sense, but who knows? Uh, you know, again, I will say this may be something I try again in the future. We'll have to see. I mean, I, if I do it again, it'll be breeding one of the ones I have and then leaving them with her and seeing what happens because I, I'm torn with the whole communal thing. We'll get to this in a minute when I get to my P Metallicas because when I first set up my M Balfour communal, that was after years of researching and looking up how people had done with other types of communal species, the the H gigas, the various Pisolotheria species, Avicularia people had mentioned, uh, obviously the uh, H villicella the NNC, those types, and I had settled on the Balfouri because they seemed to be the ones that were most legitimately communal. They basically thrived in a community environment, while the other ones seemed like you had, you know, you had some successes, you had some tragic fails with it, and they didn't quite seem to be true communal species. So I put a lot of thought into that, and it took a long time for me to pull the trigger and go with it. And then I picked up the two communals, the NNC and the one we're going to talk about, in a minute, the P. Metallica, I got those ones, and it was, if I'm being completely honest, a little less gung-ho about it, because I thought there was some good information to be gleaned, but I don't want, I won't, I don't want dead spiders, I don't want casualties, that's on me, if I put a bunch of spiders together in a communal setup, and they get eaten, I'm not going to be able to just walk away and go, oh, well, that didn't work, it, that bothers me, if I had found those NNC after a few minutes later, after one of them had won their little war and eaten the other one, I would have felt like total crap for allowing that to happen. So it's it's tough because I do think like with the M. Balfouri that going forward with that, I was very confident it was going to be successful. And as I spent more time with them and observed them more, I became even more confident that it was going to work out. With some of these other ones, there are successes, there are failures, and that's weighing heavily on me. So as far as the NNC, I may try it again. I think my goal would be to, once these guys mature, if I get a female out of it, to breed the female, leave the babies with them, and track it from there and try to see, you know, what are we looking at as far as mortality rates, how many are getting eaten, how many are living. I've seen videos. Somebody basically put a bunch together and just let them keep reproducing, and it's it's amazing, and that would be a neat centerpiece for a living room, I'll tell you. So we'll see. But for the time being, the NNC communal is done. I will not be putting them back together. I will not be redoing it. Um, I did have somebody tell me that they thought the gold form worked better than, or the olive form worked better than the gold form. The thing is, they're just the same. It's the same spider, just a different color. So I, I don't see why that would have anything to do with it because it's basically the exact same animal, just a different color. But who knows? Again, we're still trying to figure this one out. So now on to the Pisolotheria Metallica communal. This one is... Interesting. <laughs> it's the best way I can put it. Um, I'm, and I'm gonna just freely admit that when I first put them together and, and first got had the opportunity to get this, I mean, it was kind of like it dropped in my lap. Like I'm fear not tarantulas. It was from a trade. And I had done some research on Pimatalka communals. And obviously, they live in a place where they're losing habitat. They've been observed in close proximity to each other, so they're used to living with each other. Like a lot of the Pisolotheria species, they are forced to live in close proximity because of flooding, because of habitat loss. So again, it's not really a true communal species. At least I didn't think so. But 
they do tend to get along okay. And I had talked to a guy who had done the Metallica commutals and had great success, no losses. So it, it kind of gave me the confidence to go, all right, we're going to try this out. But always in the back of my mind, I have a spider that a lot of people want, they can't afford, that it would seem very wasteful and negligent of me as a keeper to put them together knowing that there could be casualties. So that has bothered me. That has weighed on my mind. And it's still weighing on my mind, if I'm being completely honest. I mean, this is the deal. I, I think a lot of people... I don't want to be the guy that goes out there and does these communals and gets a bunch of people putting spiders together and getting them killed. I do this because I have heard good information on it. I want to try to replicate it, see if it's successful. If it's successful, like the Balfouri, that's something people can pursue. If it's not successful, unfortunately, I'm going to take some heat on it, and probably rightfully so. And people will be a little more wary because I think what's happening is now everybody's trying everything as communal. Somebody came to me the other day, and it was some bizarre I want to say it was a Salmopeus species. And they're like, yeah, we're going to do them as a communal. I'm like, no, 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 no. And it's like, oh, no, I've heard they can work well. So it's kind of getting out of control. And I, I don't want to be the one responsible for this. My whole point of the Thomas Big Spiders is education, taking care of our tarantulas, making sure they're safe and safe and healthy. And I don't want to be the guy that has people going out buying a bunch of communal setups and ending up with dead spiders. So long story short, all 10 are still alive as far as I know. They're tough to count now because they are very light sensitive. And as soon as I pick up the cage, the cage is in a dark part of my tarantula room and they all scramble but they all seem to be there now the the weird part with these guys is one of the things i want to see is do they benefit from the communal environment cramming spiders together i'm sorry that's if if they tolerate each other that's not really a community a community kind of insinuates they benefit from the contact and what i've seen is some of them definitely seem to when i first got my first p metallica sling it was about four and a half years ago maybe five years ago for my birthday that thing was one of the slowest growing piece of Letheria I've ever had. It was solitary. It was one of the few piece of Letheria I had that when you when I feed my pokies, they generally, if they're not in pre-molt, they're eating. This one would eat one day. It was, if you put something in a little too big, it would run from it, and then it wouldn't eat for a week, then it would eat again. It was really kind of the oddball as far as the other piece of Letheria species I was keeping, and it took a long time to get its adult colors. I believe it was about two years before it got to be about three inches or so, or so was showing its adult colors well i've got two specimens in that communal right now that are already three inches and that i believe i got them this summer so it's been about six months they are growing ridiculously fast and then there's a few underneath those they're rather large about two and a half inches probably one molt away from that three inch mark so those are growing really fast then there are a couple that are around an inch and a half like little little guys they're doing pretty well and then there's one teeny tiny one that i just caught eating the other day he or she i'm hoping it's a girl because she's so adorable and i'm i'm thinking about pulling her out of there is doing is still doing fine amidst all these big giants she's still eating but growing very very slowly so that's that's kind of an interesting thing to me and again i i start thinking about you know in nature there's going to be some that do really well there's going to be the smaller ones that don't get as much food I guess that's a natural thing, but it's not like the Balfouri. All of my Balfouri pretty much stayed right around the same size their entire life cycle so far. You know, there was no big giant one. The only weird anomaly we had was the male that matured very early on. He was a smaller male. We had another one that took another extra year to mature. He's a larger male. But for the most part, they were all the exact same sizes. With these Metallica, it is staggering to see the different sizes. And it was cute because the other day, one of the big ones, the little one was like curled up on top of it. It's incredible to witness, but I'm still worried, and I'm st I'm eyeing this thing, and I check on it obsessively because I really don't want to lose any of these guys. Um, 
giving thought to pulling them apart at some point because one of the big things I've heard from a couple people now, and again, this is one that it's inconsistent because I've spoken to people that have done, had great success with keeping them together even through adulthood and had very few losses. I've talked to other people that they say right about when they hit the four inch mark, the young adults, it turns into basically cannibal holocaust where they're just eating each other and devouring each other. And I don't want that to happen because that'd be something like if I look in there and there's only three or four of them left, I'm going to feel like total garbage. I'm going to report it to you guys. I'm going to take my lashing and it's going to be a sad day in the Moran house. But so far, I would report they are doing very well. I keep constant flow of red runners in there. There's always red runners in there. I feed them two times a week and then there's always some along the bottom that they go out and dig out and hunt. Right now, four of them are ridiculously fat and obviously in pre-molt, so they'll be molting again. So I got a funny feeling they'll be pushing around three and a half inches or so. The little one looks pretty fat, so hopefully she's finally going to molt again. I think she's only molted once. I have to think now about when would be a good time to move them out of that enclosure because I don't want them so crowded that it's just inhumane, quite frankly. I mean, I, I usually give... My tarantula has plenty of room to roam. The problem with the Pisolatheria communals is you're supposedly supposed to keep them in tight confines. And then it comes down to like at what point do you pull the trigger and put them in something bigger and what does that stir up in the communal? Will they still get along when I give them more room? Will they start staking out territories? Right now there's a cork bark leaned at like a 45 degree angle and they all hide like the majority of them will hide when I shine light right behind that cork bark together. It's, it's amazing to see and I'm going to try to get some more footage of that around you know the holidays when I'm at home because it's just something that's really worth checking out. But Here's my verdict on this one. I'm not sure how long I'm going to keep these guys together for. I, so far, so good, but I have a, a lot of decisions to make between now and when I go to rehouse them, whether I keep them together. If I do end up pulling them apart, I will probably do a contest or something and, and give some of them away. Or you know, I don't need 12 Pima Talcas as beautiful as they are. I already have my adult female. I'll probably obviously keep several of them, but... We'll see. So don't. I'll be keeping people updated on this one. But again, I'm, I tried to with the videos, with the podcasts, with the you know the Tom Speaks Spurs things. I, I try to put out there. I don't have all the answers. I do second guess myself sometimes. And this is one. This is the one thing I have. It's gorgeous. It's cool. It's amazing. They are getting along great so far. But I'm so worried something's going to go wrong, and I'm going to have to report that it failed, and I had to break them apart. And I really don't know if I want to get to that point. So we'll see. I will keep people updated. But so far, so good. All 10 are alive and accounted for. They range everywhere, anywhere from three and a half inches to about an inch, which is mind-boggling. And nobody's trying to kill anybody yet. There's plenty of food available. I, you know, I spray down the sides of the enclosure. There's no way I can get a water dish in there right now, which is another thing that's freaking me out because of the enclosure I chose. They buried the first water dish, and now i got to get them in something bigger. But we'll see how it goes. And finally, we'll end this one with a an update on my Titius Stigmuris, or Brazilian Red Scorpion, I believe it's called, a Brazilian Scorpion Communal. I've had some people ask about these. Uh, I love the species. They're amazing, and they're parthenogenic, so obviously they can reproduce without sexual copulation or any type of, they don't need males. If you have a female, it can go ahead and spontaneously have a brood of babies, which is amazing. So I got my first one 
oh lord, about a year and a half ago. She's already had three broods in that amount of time. The first brood was about 20 babies, of which I believe 18 of them survived to adulthood. And what I did was I put them in a communal setup, and they get along great. They eat together. Sometimes they'll share off the same food item. I've had exactly one bout of cannibalism. I almost freaked out and split them all apart. I'm not sure what happened, but I did find one eating another one, but it never happened again. So we have 17 of them left total. Well... Since then, several of those original 17 babies have also had babies. So I believe when last I counted in this communal setup, I have around 80, I think it was like 75, 80 of them. It was kind of difficult to count. All different sizes because some of them have even had a second brood now. So I joke if anybody remembers the movie Gremlins. I know I'm probably dating myself with that, but that should be a classic. Everybody should know that one. But the scene where Stripe goes and jumps in the community swimming pool and all the gremlins come pouring out, that's what it's starting to feel like. Like if I do a video of these guys, I almost want to put that clip in there just as a joke because it's like you start with one and they have the first batch of babies and you're not thinking mathematically. You're thinking, oh my lord, this scorpion that I picked up as a baby is not only matured, I didn't have to breed it. And she miraculously, we call her Mary for obvious reasons, miraculously had babies without even getting bred. It was just like mind boggling. The first time I saw those babies in there and the babies grew up and like, this is great. I can start a communal, still not doing the math. Now you figure seeing, I do teach a math class with kids that I would start thinking, wait a minute, if I have, if, if one has 18 and then each of those 18 have 18 and then each of those 18 have 18 while the other one's having, it's insane. So again, I love them. They're cool. I'm trying to figure out what to do with them. I have heard that if you put them in a big enough enclosure, give them some room, they will reproduce, but they will also self-police, so they will munch on some of the other ones, like if, if the populations become too large. I, I don't know if I really want to do that. I, we're figuring things out. I actually uh, gave some to Tanya at Fear Not Tarantulas to sell, and she sold them, so if anybody picked those guys up, do know you're going to have quite the scorpion collection pretty soon, and uh, you're welcome. So amazing species. They're doing well. They're not eating each other. I love watching the babies. The big ones will be eating a larger roach and the babies you'll sometimes see a couple babies eating on the other end of the roach they're doing great they're cute as heck they are pretty venomous so it's it's kind of funny because when i open that tank out i'm like this is the tank that could really do a number on me but they're very i've yet to have one sting at me or try to sting me wherein with the emperor scorpions those guys are a little more likely the babies at least a little more likely to use their stingers so it's going really well. Uh, they're still reproducing. I checked the mother, the original mother, who I keep by herself, has another brood now. This would be brood number three. Um, I just checked the other day. One of the original 18 has a brood now, another brood. it's There's a lot of them. So I will possibly be doing something with these guys in the future. Of course, I probably just killed my chances of ever getting anybody to take any because they realize how many you're going to get. Again, I've heard this with uh, Hot and Tata, Hot and Tata as well, or also 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 parthenogenic. And I've seen pictures, somebody, guy posted online that he started with two and just basically showed stacks of deli cups that were all the different offspring he had after like a year and a half or something. It was ridiculous. So something to keep in mind if you get these species. They're amazing. 
there's nothing cooler than watching an animal have that many babies, especially if you've tried breeding before and what goes into like breeding tarantulas, the amount of work to see this thing just basically pop out babies with nothing. It's amazing. But then you start doing the math and realize I'm, I'm wondering how the hobby honestly isn't flooded with these guys. Cause when I bought mine, I showed them off in a couple, you know, some pictures on Instagram. And I think one of the forums and people are like, where are you getting those? I, I, I need one of those. I want one of those. And they didn't have them anywhere. And I don't understand how they don't. I could literally, I would easily become the uh, U.S. supplier for these guys because I got enough to go around. So we'll see how it goes. I'll keep people updated on that. I am not breaking that one apart. I love that little group. I love dropping uh, roaches in and watching them all go at them. It's great. I just wish they would slow down a little bit on the reproduction. But apparently they can do two or three broods a year when they get adults, they become adults for two years. So again, anybody that wants to do math, you start off with one. You have 18, those 18 have 18, you figure out where we are. And they only took about, I believe they only took about seven months to mature, eight months. They, they matured rather quickly. So I'm assuming my original female is probably getting a bit old, will probably stop reproducing. Um, luckily, I have about 80 replacements for her now. But again, I will not stop keeping these guys. There's no way I really can because I have too many of them. But I do think it's important that people that keep them know what they're getting into with them. I and mean, right now, I may have an exotics collection coming up in the coming months that's around 300, and about 150 of those are going to be these scorpions. So that will about do it for this one, I think, for now. I And just to, to revisit the point of the communal, since doing these, I've had people like, you should do a communal of this, you should do a communal of that. I'm probably done with the communals for a while, like at least other species. The one I would like to try is H. villicella. That was the my backup plan for the M. Balfouri once upon a time. I picked up one and had it by itself, and it matured male. They, they matured very, very tiny. The male was absolutely tiny. I had another one that died, which I believe from impaction, my first one. And I did love the species and would like to keep it again. So that's one I may think about, but it's going to be a while down the road. And the thing you got to think about, too, is that – and I probably didn't put enough thought into this aspect of it. If you pick up 10 spiders and try to keep them communally, your thought process is that's one enclosure I have to deal with. That's one enclosure I have to clean. That's one enclosure I have to drop food items in. If you ever have to separate them, that just exponentially increases the amount of work you have to do to take care of these guys. So right now I'm looking at, for example, my piece of Letharium metallica. That's one enclosure. I take that thing down. I, I mist the side, moisten the substrate a little bit. I spray down some of the leaves and stuff so they get a drink. And again, I do want to get them in a closure where I can get a water dish in there. I'm a huge proponent of water dishes, but right now it is what it is. And that's it. I drop some roaches and I'm done. Now, if I have to separate all 10 of them, that's 10 different enclosures I need to come up with, which is a lot of shelf space. That's 10 different enclosures I have to open up and, and do the maintenance for and set up. So that's something to keep in mind for people who want to attempt the communals that if they don't go well and you have to split them up, do keep in mind that means you're going to have all those separate tarantula cages. For some people, it's not a big deal. When you're somebody like me that's hovering around 100, I think I'm at 150, 160 tarantulas or so that can be that can really increase the workload and put some extra stress on you. So just keep that in mind. But when they work out, in the case of my Balfouri, for example, they're one of the most rewarding things ever, especially for somebody who's been in the hobby for a while that thinks they've seen it all with tarantulas. To watch these guys interact, it's still, it doesn't become old. It's, I was in there this morning and just watching them, I'm staring at them, watching them do their thing. Just one male walked over to a female. They kind of touched legs. They moved on. Even just those simple physical interactions are amazing. So definitely rewarding. But as far as the communals go, I do not want to be known as Tom's Big Spiders, the communal guy. Uh, if you know if somebody really wants to dig 
into my old posts and stuff. I'm sure you can find stuff out there even on my own website where I said I'm not particularly for the communal setups. I, I'm not going to take it out because it's part of my history as far as the keeper is concerned. But I do believe I wrote an article way back talking about communal spiders or some of the myths in the hobby. And I mentioned communal spiders and how a lot of them aren't truly communal. And I do stand by some of that still. But obviously, Balfouri, I've proven that they can get together and benefit from the contact. So I've changed my thoughts a little bit. But that that piece of Ethereum Metallica one's still nagging at me. So we'll see how it goes. So as always, a, a huge thank you for anybody that's listening. I, I know I say this all the time and I, I it's weirds me out sometimes because people will email me with these amazingly glowing, like, thanks so much. You're such an inspiration. It kind of makes me like uncomfortable because I'm like, oh, I'm just doing this for fun. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reading this. It makes, a, it gives me a point for what I'm doing, but I really do like, I've, I will use the word humbled by the reception of this podcast. I keep joking that I thought I was going to kill it early on. I figured nobody would listen, but the numbers steadily climb each week. It's There's no way I'm going anywhere with it. I, I mean, I, people email me, go, please keep doing the podcast. Don't quit. I'm not going to quit. It's that There's definitely an audience for it, and I'm seeing that audience grow, which is great. And I do appreciate people spending their time listening to me yammer on. I, I will never be able to wrap my mind around that. I'm... Again, did not get into this to be, you know, YouTube famous or podcast famous. For me, it's all just an extension of, of teaching for me. And I enjoy it. I enjoy when people come back with their emails about their successes. I enjoy when people go, hey, I, I watched one of your videos. It got me interested in tarantulas. It, it, that's the type of stuff that makes this all worthwhile. That's why I have no need to monetize or anything. My reward is the fact that people are actually spending the time listening to this and are apparently learning from it, which is great. One of my kids did a search for me online, you know, my own personal kids, my biological kids, and were reading through some of the things people had said about my channel and the podcast. And it was neat to kind of see them like, man, people really like your stuff and respect you. And that was pretty cool in itself. So again, thanks everybody that listens to these. I do appreciate it. My only big regret with the Tom's Big Spiders thing is as it's picked up through the website and YouTube and now the podcast, and it's been more and more difficult keeping track of people that I love chatting with. So I do apologize for that. It's just, there's, there's a lot of emails out there, a lot of questions, and it takes a lot of time to answer them. And part of the reason I did this was to be able to communicate with other keepers and tarantula hobbyists, because again, there's not too many people I know personally that are into them. We have converted Billy. She's rattling off scientific names now, like it's nobody's business, which is flipping amazing to see. But as far as like where I work, my friend circle, not many people know about them and care about them. So being able to talk to you folks is always a lot of fun, very rewarding for me. So thank you for that. All right, that's it. Nothing yammering on. You guys all have a great morning or evening or wherever you're listening to this. As usual, you can comment on Facebook or you can send me an email or you don't have to say anything at all. That's totally fine. But uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys all next time.